I think that some themes that I've been contemplating on a lot is grief and trauma and I think that those are topics that I want to be able to address in a way that that makes people feel seen but doesn't define what Afghanistan is and what the art from our country is. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Art Persist podcast, a series by Bosle Arts offering a glimpse into the life of artists and activists from all over the world, here to share their stories with you, the listener. In this episode we speak to Parwana Haidar, a London-based filmmaker and curator. She holds a BA Honours in Social Anthropology and Persian from SOAS University of London. She's a graduate of other cinemas, film school and South London Galleries Recreative Film School. Her artistic practice is driven by the personal and contemplate the visual aesthetic of the diasporic experience. In this episode we talk about Parwana's work as a member of the collective Afghan Visual Arts and History Collective, or AVAR, which is an independent curatorial research collective and multimedia platform that gathers, collects and curates art coming from Afghanistan and its diaspora. So we really talk about their projects, we talk about the work that they do and the importance of collecting and retaining art histories and stories and works from Afghanistan. Hope you enjoy. So Parwana, at the start of every episode of the podcast, we ask our guests the same question, which is to try and think of a work of art or a song or a film, anything that has had an influence on you, whether as a child or as an adult, that's kind of impacted your life or your work. When I ask you that question, does anything come to mind? To be honest, I am mostly inspired by my friends and the people Mm. immediately around me. My friend Nikki, Kohandel, Nia Fikri, um, I'm inspired by Hope Strickland, by like many of the people that I have immediately around me and seeing them navigate their life and making films um, or art in, in the different forms or mediums that they choose is really what inspires me the most. Um, I think there's one actually piece of work uh, or album that I keep going back to and that's um, by Fathot, which is a German-Afghan music producer. He mm. um, made these two albums specifically, Kabul Fire Volume 1 and Kabul Fire Volume 2, where he mixes and samples hip-hop with like traditional Afghan tunes. Oh. I really love the, the way that he crafts that sound, um, which mm. is very specific and very beautiful. So that's what I keep going back to. and. Yeah, I want to I wanna make something that's just as beautiful, but in a different medium. Yeah, thank you so much. That's I, I want to check out that music. It sounds amazing. And thank you, Pawana, for joining us today. And welcome to the Arpsis podcast. Thank you. Could you start by telling us a little bit about your early life, where you grew up and what life was like? Yeah, I grew up in this area in, in Copenhagen, Denmark, surrounded by a lot of other immigrant families. I think in many ways it was great to be in the same position as many Mm. other like refugees of war and um, I have this fond memory of a lot of the older people in the community bringing together 
um, the kids and uh, booking three buses for us all to go <laughs> to this amusement park. Um, and they sold the tickets really cheap and they were like, um, and they took us there for, for a whole day. And I think it's, it's a really great memory because there's many families that otherwise couldn't like drive, drive there mm. for four hours and um, afford that kind of like joy. Mm -hmm. So those are really profound memories and it's, it's a really um, nice childhood. On the other hand, dude, right now actually, or most recently those places or Danish government is actually trying to move people out of those places and mm. demolish the buildings. Um, there is this ghetto package that was introduced in 2018 where God. the government um, made some laws, passed some laws to, I guess, change the quote-unquote culture of these areas. Um, I mean, it's it's the classic story of gentrification. So yeah. it's a bit boring, but <laughs> that's where I grew up in. But now my family lives in the suburbs which is still really nice and more nature mm -hmm. and yeah. So your family is still based in Denmark? Yes, my family yeah. is based based in Denmark, Copenhagen. Okay, amazing. And your parents, did they move from Afghanistan or were they did they grow up in Copenhagen themselves? No, my parents are from Afghanistan and I was born there as well. Okay. Like, um, all my siblings. So we came to Denmark in 1999. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so you're obviously a filmmaker yourself and a curator. Did you grow up loving film and loving art? How did you, what was it that made you want to go in that direction? I grew up reading a lot, actually. I spent mm. a lot of time at the local library. I spent a lot of time at my school's library and I think books was really defined my perception of the world and some of them I think I was way too young to read <laughs> I think mm -hmm. um Khalid Husseini's an Afghan mm. author um I think I read The Kite Runner when I was like 12 or something <laughs> yeah which is a bit early but I wanted to be a writer um, mm. when I read his books and I think it changed for me when I realized how much film can do. Mm. And when I moved to London, I studied anthropology and I feel like at SOAS, uh, where I studied anthropology, I felt like I got into a community of people who were artistic and mm -hmm. expressed themselves in many other ways. Um, yeah. So. I think so, a big uh, turning point in my interest in film was the South London Gallery Recreative Film School uh, mm. run by Said Farouqi. He's a Palestinian filmmaker and he teaches non-conventional filmmaking and that was like a four-week course but completely changed the way that I perceive film and to this day still informs my decision in how to tell stories. Wow. And we're going to talk about the Ava Collective in a second, but just before that, I was interested just based on what you said of, of what your style of filmmaking is and how it relates to that, that course that you did. Yeah, I think the way that the conventional film industry um, supports 
or looks like i think narrative filmmaking um, narrative structure of filmmaking mm. is is can be really beautiful in many ways and can be really have have proven has shown a lot of stories but i think that some of the purpose or some of the objections of the conventional film industry is to keep an audience engaged and their attention like Mm. um in a way exploited for profit and i think that that's not what i'm trying to do and that's not what i see myself in and i think that i want to tell stories for a very specific kind of people Mm. when i first got into filmmaking (laughs) i was mostly thinking about what i wanted to show my family (laughs) and i think that um, non-conventional filmmaking is starts in a different point mm-hmm. and it doesn't start from like what how can we reach as many people as fast as possible but more i guess a, a more honest um and true to your own purpose and your own story kind of way of making films yeah um, and i think that can mean many things and in in a way it's very very vague but i think a big inspiration of mine is Sharbonu Sadat. she's an afghan filmmaker who mm whose films I think for some people people would be considered very slow and a bit uh, documentary, like the aesthetic is very authentic and and raw. Um, She casts uh, amateur actors. Um, Mm. All of her films are based in Afghanistan. um, And she casts people who are from the communities in which she makes the films. And she um, makes films in this... Yeah, I think she's she's a filmmaker from Afghanistan that really, to me at least, shows a really authentic Afghan experience, and I think that that's really beautiful because I think she's she has to really insist on being able to to tell the story of Afghanistan in that way. Yeah, I'd love to watch them, um, and I can really imagine that with all the the news and everything coming out of Afghanistan often told by people who aren't from Afghanistan or aren't in Afghanistan it must be so I guess I guess authentic or just original to be able to see something that is you know based there and from a filmmaker who is from Afghanistan I would love to check her out so you also are part of the AVA collective which stands for Afghan visual arts and history can you tell us a bit about when it was set up and, and what the collective does? So it was set up in 2019 by Yasmin Gailani and Mushtari Hilal, amongst mm-hmm. others. It was four people that were working in the arts professionally and who wanted to create an initiative that centers um, Afghanistan and contemporary art practices and artists from Afghanistan and to platform and highlight um, and have a sustained interest in narratives coming from that region. It's not something that we see very often or at all in the industry. I don't think I haven't met others who do it in the way that Ava does it. But Ava is a very fluid entity and it kind of is defined by the people who get involved in it. So they reached out to me when a gallery asked for a film program and mm-hmm. 
so I have since then curated a couple of sessions on Afghan film and the interest in film coming from Afghanistan um, is, I mean, I think people just don't know that they exist. And yeah. I think that it's a matter of insisting on on having that space and talking about it. And mm. it's just really good to be in a collective where you are able to bounce off of ideas with each other and support each other in the different projects that each of you are involved in. And what we try to do is also just like create a community and network of artists yeah. from Afghanistan. And it's many of these artists are isolated and mm. for structural reasons don't really have any networks or uh, understanding even of the infrastructure of the in art industry in Europe yeah. so so what we're trying to do is also use our knowledge to highlight and pl platform these people yeah it's it's really amazing and I've been following the work of the collective for a while and I'm always really impressed and also just yeah I think there's beyond like there not really being any other kind of platforms that do what you do it's also the you know all your everything that you curate everything that you do is done with such nuance I really appreciate it for that and so you have a kind of I guess two parts right you have this network of artists where which you also uh, who you also curate exhibitions and talks from and then also the kind of historical art history side is that right mm -hmm. yeah exactly so I think those things go together inevitably and we always draw on the history of Afghanistan to be able to portray the present yeah. and uh, something that I feel like I've been really lucky to I mean, at SOAS, I've been really lucky to meet many historians on mm. Afghanistan who are incredibly passionate about complicating um, the history of the country and bringing forward uh, the nuances. And there is so much um, yeah. out there. And it is just an incredible joy for me to work with these academics who are in many ways like also working within institutions that don't always understand that context either yeah. and I think Afghans are very used to or people who who do there's many people from many historians from Afghanistan who have their own personal archives and have their own like books that they've written in, mm. in Farsi about Afghanistan and about the history but can be very like protective to show it or to yeah. share it because of how much looting and stealing and exploitation has happened historically yeah. and I think it's challenging to be a historian on Afghanistan and I feel very lucky that I that I know many that are persisting and are very passionate and keeps going yeah despite it and are you working when you, when you work with artists or artists who are part of this network? Are they predominantly artists who are living now in the diaspora, or are some still in Afghanistan? Because obviously, it's it's a dangerous uh, place to be an artist in Afghanistan and a historian, as you mentioned. I think it's predominantly the diaspora. Mm -hmm. 
Some people we have worked with recently who were evacuated in August 2021 is Charbonne Sadat, for example. Mm. She was so kind to be a mentor at one of our workshops in Berlin that was moderated by Mushtadi. Mm. She she is based in Hamburg now in Germany. And then there's also Rahra Omarzat. He is an artist who works mainly in film and video. And he had a center for women's art in Kabul. Mm. And he also taught fine arts in University of Kabul. He's also been a huge resource. And he also uh, was a mentor at, at that workshop. There's many artists that have recently left Afghanistan that we've yeah. been able to tap into through our networks and for example um, Mohamed Sabid he is an artist from Kabul as well and he right now gra- he's just graduated from Goldsmiths um, oh. Master of Fine Arts um, so these are some of the people that recently came to I guess came to be t- in exile or in the diaspora um, but yeah, I think it would be very challenging to work with artists in Afghanistan yeah. right now. I think the best way to go about that would be um, to raise funds for yes. them. I think the yeah. most important thing for them right now is survival and in in a way also, yeah, an exit strategy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, those are the people we have worked with who have recently left mm-hmm. the country. Hi, I'm Hossam Fazola, co-founder of Bosla Arts. Did you know we just launched our third issue of our magazine? This issue is called The Brink, featuring the work from seven artists from Ukraine who examine how their work has changed since the full-blown invasion last year. Find out more and order your copy today at boslaarts.com. B-O-S-L-A-A-R-T-S dot Back to the podcast. So as a curator, obviously working, I suppose, with artists across many different disciplines in different countries with very different experiences as well. What are the kind of themes that really stand out or connect artists from Afghanistan today that you have found when you're curating? I think that some themes that I've been contemplating on a lot is grief and trauma and I think that those are topics that I want to be able to address in a way that that makes people feel seen but doesn't define what Mm. Afghanistan is and what the art from our country is and I think there's an incredible breadth and depth of our culture and it goes above and beyond uh, what has happened in in the last few decades. Yeah. But I think it's a balancing act. And I think the latest show, um, Childhoods in Germany, curated by Mushtari, was a really Mm. good example of acknowledging and understanding and making space for the trauma and grief, but also all the other beautiful things about our childhoods and everything else that we got from our culture and families and I think that it was amazing to see Tamina Magyar's 
watercolor artist and made these beautiful um, colorful um, watercolor paintings that have these yeah amazing figurative um, work and mm. for example um, a sculpturist Varela Nishat's her work was really inspiring to me she has she made these like three um, sculpt cement sculptures and carved in Persian the story of her parents fleeing from Afghanistan into mm. each of these sculptures and wow. all of them represented her and her siblings and that they carry these stories with them everywhere they go mm. I think being having the time and space in your art to process um, and to investigate the stories that you grew up with and what defined you also makes you understand that that you can also choose to believe in something more and I yeah. think that growing older you realize how arbitrary and sometimes random these stories are and mm. I think that it's it was a really beautiful exhibition that really allowed space for experimentation and it was a really good experience as an artist to be a part of. Yeah, it looks like a fantastic show. And you yourself have a work in it called Why Are You Sad, Mother? Can you tell us a little bit about the film and yeah, what it's about? So the film was a commissioned work and I spent some time to get to know the local area of the gallery and get to know um, the curator put me in touch with some Afghan refugees and the story is really inspired by this young woman who I met, Samira, who's also cast in the film mm. as the daughter. We talked about these themes of migration a lot and how like her mom always wanted to teach her how to sew. Her mom was a um, seamstress in Afghanistan and, and Samira didn't want to and like it was, I really liked their relationship and I thought that they were, in a way I could also relate to it with, with my mom. And the conversations we had really inspired this film, which is about a mother and a daughter having a conversation about their stories and like a, a mother who is maybe in some ways like um, lost in memories of the past and the, mm. and the daughter is trying to figure out how she fits into that story mm. yeah it was just a really good experience it's very inspired by Larissa Sansur which is mm -hmm. a Palestinian filmmaker who who has a film which is on Netflix right now actually called mm. In Vitro um, that's also an intergenerational conversation between mm. two Palestinians a mother and a daughter mm -hmm. and I think that yeah I think that those conversations are important to have and yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> sounds beautiful really beautiful and I really I really hear what you were saying before about um like giving people a chance to grieve I think in the current like you know conversations about immigration and migration I'm thinking about the UK here where it's like you know people go through these horrendous traumatic events and then come to the UK and the narrative that we hear is like they're fine you know they're taking our resources but you know the trauma does not end when people 
are in you know safe positions mm. and I can so see how art is a yeah just kind of uniting space to be able to work through the emotions that I'm sure so many people from Afghanistan whether they've just left Afghanistan or have been in the diaspora for a while are feeling um, so it sounds it sounds like a really beautiful exhibition as well thank you <laughs> I wanted to kind of go back to what we talked about at the beginning which is about the histories and archiving um, the history of Afghanistan and I wanted if we could talk a bit about how you go about as a collective doing that obviously working with artists who have you know written books or working with historians but maybe you could talk a bit about um, historically what have been the issues with um, documenting the history the art history of Afghanistan and also the the kind of historic narrative that's I assume has been predominantly spoken about by western art historians as well and how how that has affected as well how people talk about art history in Afghanistan. Yeah, I think that I'm actually sitting in my room right now looking at two paintings that my cousin has bought, which is um, Akbar Khodasani. Um, he is a modernist painter from Afghanistan whose paintings were auctioned at the Chiswick auction in London and sold for an interesting price, I would say. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she bought them and she is um, she's collecting different arts from Afghanistan and has a really good, I think, um, historical context for uh, for doing that. And I think one of the big challenges is that there is there was never a proper infrastructure, I think, or m maybe there was in the 60s and the 70s but i think recently there's there's not really an infrastructure for art from afghanistan and mm. i think that um the temporary interest that comes from institutions in the west is related to the wars and yeah. it is related to um the political and the political conflicts and with that interest comes a specific expectation of what kind of story you should tell and i think that when you are from afghanistan and you understand you've heard the stories from your family and you've heard the stories about what it used to be when it was more peaceful not mm -hmm. that it necessarily was the best situation either it's afghanistan has had 200 years of like um instability and conflict in many different ways yeah. but um of course the last 40 to 50 years have been the worst um i think the challenge is to navigate the different discourses and for me having grown up here i think that um every time i meet someone who is from who has a very profound and deep understanding of the history of afghanistan i just get so eager and curious about what else is out there but mm. all of these connections i make is word of mouth and i think in a way i'm lucky to be in in london where a lot of people kind of where i meet a lot of people from many different places and i yeah. have the time and privilege to really go in depth in this 
um, topic and I think that an interesting story that actually Ariel Nasser who's a film producer in Canada was also um, his dad is from Afghanistan and he restored and digitized 20 films from Afghan Films Archive. Yeah. Um, he spent five years in Afghanistan, like making many films and like getting introduced to the very small community of filmmakers who worked in Afghan film back then. And he, um, I think falling upon this treasure um, was a really big thing for him. and when he found out how rich the film history of Afghanistan is, he really wanted to um, save it and kind of like make a film and, and platform that, um, which he did really successfully. Um, but he wanted to find a director of House of History, um, mm. a documentary film made in 1997, I believe, about the destruction of Kabul and the national mm. treasures. And the director is named Qadir Tahiri, and he asked... All the filmmakers he knew in Afghanistan, he asked everyone in his networks who just none of them knew where Qadir Tahiri went, mm. uh, where where did he go to exile? And he, like many people, just lost touch with him. Mm. So what Ariel did is that he put his name on Facebook and mm. found him there ah. and found out that he lived 20 minutes away from him in no Montreal. Way. <laughs> yes. Wow. It's like a 20 minute drive from, from his place. And um, anyways, they met up and he um, was able to premiere his film House of History in Canada for the first time. So that's, I think, is a very saying story for how you kind of archive and collect these people like mm. how did what do you do when there's so much memory loss and loss of connection yeah. you just ask and you get nudged in so direction and you just keep trying mm. um and you find out that there's it's kind of like a treasure hunt i yeah. feel you find out that there's so much out there um but every time you find a treasure you also understand how much of a loss there has mm. been yeah. And how much more should be out there. Absolutely. And when you, from your own experience of, you know, meeting people and doing lots of research, have you had any moments that have been like that where you've discovered something or been really surprised or just if there's something that stayed in your own mind about something to do with the history or the artistic history of Afghanistan? Mm, I think... Um... On my first week at SOAS, I went to a PhD um, talk and there was this um, scholar who was talking about the history of Hazaras in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Hazara is a, Hazaras is ethnic group in Afghanistan that has been persecuted for many years. Yeah. And I'm Hazara and it was like the, for my first week there and I was just like, how did this happen? <laughs> and I went to talk to her. Her name is Rabia. And we talked um, for a long time. And um, she actually referred me to um, my friend who is a historian, Bismillah, who um, is actually from the exact province from where I am from mm. in Afghanistan. And, and he is right now doing research on the Hazara elites of Afghanistan. And through doing that, he's actually spoken to some of my family members. Ah. And I thought it was just so funny to meet this person at a university. And mm. then like, you know, he knows very <laughs> interesting, 
like historical facts about my family. Yeah. I think there are many moments like that where you just hear about someone from word of mouth and then you find out you have a connection to them somehow and then yeah. you know everything just oh yeah and actually this is a more funny story I think uh, when I met Boris Sadid he's also a friend of mine now mm. um, he he connected with my cousin who is in Canada because she's also doing a lot of research on my family history mm. and she posted a picture of our uh, great granddads on Twitter <laughs> and then Buddy saw that picture and said that guy in the corner is my uncle <laughs> so or not uncle sorry I think also his great granddad or something mm. like that he that was also a person in his family and I met him at a lecture at SOAS and he told me like hey I know your cousin <laughs> because our grand great granddad was in a picture together that she posted on Twitter and I was just like what who what? are you yeah What's your name <laughs> um so I think, yeah, stories like that just makes it really worth it. Yeah. And I think that it's really funny when those things happen and um, makes me want to keep going and yeah. figure out how else am I related to all these people that are spread mm. all over the world. Um, yeah, I can I only imagine. Really... It must mm. be so nice. And actually, I think I, I read that the AVA Collective described kind of archiving and you know art history as a liberatory practice and that it does it is that what it feels like to you like the more you learn the more kind of liberated in the sense of like through knowledge that you feel I think definitely so and I think just being in a collective with so many amazing people who are really inspiring and who think about the future of our culture and history makes me hopeful yeah in a way that there's so many discourses on Afghanistan that doesn't make me feel very hopeful yeah and so insisting on these people and this these relationships and this kind of work is yeah it does make me happy mm. so I guess happiness is also a form of liberation absolutely absolutely well, Pawana, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today. I just wanted to wrap it up by asking you, first of all, if there are any Afghan artists or creatives who are listening to this and aren't you know, familiar with your work, how can they get involved? Is there a way that they can yeah, connect to the community? Absolutely. We always like to be in touch with Afghan artists in any way we can. So even if it's just meeting for an informal chat, like mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a specific reason. They can always reach out to us um, on our Instagram, on our email, on our website. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you can put the links to those. Yes. I can send them to you as well. So yeah, we want to be in touch and Ava is, as I said, um, fluid as an entity. It's not a hard structure. You don't have to um, be, an, be an expert on a certain like it, it's it's open to for you to have as a framework to research and investigate um, the history of Afghanistan and I think that that's really important that that comes out mm -hmm. amazing and for those who are not necessarily Afghan artists but just people who are interested in your work how can they follow what you're doing and all of that I, I think I'm mostly active on Instagram mm -hmm. um, and yeah I mean 
email me and yeah. I'm also happy to <laughs> to talk with them and yeah <laughs> amazing well I'll definitely put all the links to our collective in this episode thank and you. yeah just a huge thank you for joining us today I think what you're doing is amazing and um, excited to see what you have coming up next thank you so much We'd like to thank Padawana for joining us for this week's episode. If you'd like to learn more about her work and also the work of the Aval Collective, please find links in the episode description. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the Art Persist podcast. As always, if you're enjoying it, please go ahead and follow us, leave a review, message us on Instagram at Brussels Arts. And in general, if you're enjoying an episode or the whole series, why not share it with friends and family? Because only with your help can these really important, interesting stories be heard. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week for the season four finale.